Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast for Families. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made Western Civilization the way it is today, for good or ill. Today's episode is a very special bonus episode written and narrated by one of our listeners, Katie from Utah. Inspired by the Catalan Conspiracy episode, Katie submits to us another exciting conspiracy, this time in post-revolutionary war America. We hope you enjoy and join us again Monday morning where I'll be giving part two to my episode on the effects of Judaism and Christianity on the West. In this episode, we will learn about Aaron Burr, one of the founding fathers, and his bizarre attempt to create his own dynasty. It is the summer of 1807 in the city of Richmond, Virginia, just 20 years after the ratification of the U.S. Constitution, one of the most remarkable trials in early American history takes place. The offense? Treason. The defendant? 51-year-old Aaron Burr, who now stood accused of one of the gravest crimes in American law. Burr, a decorated Revolutionary War officer and senator from New York, served as vice president during Thomas Jefferson's first term. He had grand political aspirations, but they were dashed after he killed his rival Alexander Hamilton in a duel in 1804. Bad things tend to happen when you kill people, huh? Well, the treasonous activity began when Aaron Burr plotted to raise an army and establish his own dynasty in either the Louisiana Territory or Mexico. Wow, that sounds pretty bizarre, right? Well, let's get into the details. Although some details are lost and hazy, what is known is that Burr worked to raise a small army on the American frontier. He may have hoped to lead an independent campaign against Spanish-held territories in Texas and Mexico. But according to some, Burr had designs on founding a new Western nation with himself as emperor. Burr's conspiracy appears to have originated in 1804, the same year that he shot Alexander Hamilton dead in Weehawken, New Jersey. At the time, Burr's career was in shambles. Political parties had shunned him, Thomas Jefferson had dropped him as vice president, and the Hamilton duel had left him with potential murder indictments hanging over his head. Desperate to remake his name, the former Continental Army colonel began plotting a grand military enterprise on the American frontier. After making contact with a British foreign minister named Anthony Mary, Burr floated the idea that Louisiana and the other territories of the West might be persuaded to secede from the United States. That August, Mary sent a dispatch to London in which he reported that Burr had offered, quote, to lend his assistance to His Majesty's government in any manner in which they may think fit to employ him, particularly in endeavoring to effect a separation of the western part of the United States from that which lies between the Atlantic and the mountains. Pretty dangerous and very treasonous, don't you think? However, Britain never took Burr up on his offer, but the former vice president continued to plot. In early 1805, he journeyed west and spent several months traveling the Ohio and Mississippi rivers while scouting territory and recruiting supporters. During one stopover, he met with Harmon Blennerhassett. Say that ten times fast. I'll wait. Anyway, he was a wealthy Irish immigrant who owned an island in the Ohio River. Upon reaching New Orleans, he made a contact with a society of businessmen who favored the annexation, or incorporation, of Mexico into their plot for land. Burr's most important co-conspirator was General James Wilkinson, the highest-ranking officer in the U.S. Army. Wilkinson had a reputation for deceitfulness, but he also had vast resources at his disposal. With his frontier troops, he could serve as official cover for any military operations in Mexico or the West. Sneaky, right? 
So let's recap for a second to make sure we are all understanding. Aaron Burr, a disgruntled and outcast politician, searched for a way to reinvigorate his political life by plotting a military takeover of Louisiana, Mexico, and other parts of the West. He wanted to force them to secede from the United States. His main ally is Wilkinson, who would cover for any suspicious military activity. Got it? Okay, let's move on. Burr was careful not to reveal the full extent of his plans to any of his potential recruits, but his movements didn't go unnoticed. He had attracted attention wherever he traveled on the frontier, and by the time he returned to the East Coast in late 1805, the media was abuzz with rumors. One Philadelphia paper speculated that Burr would soon be at the head of a, revo a revolution party. It also referenced reports that he planned to engage in the reduction of Mexico with the aid of British ships and forces. Sounds like some truth got out. Despite the controversy beginning to swirl around him, Burr forged ahead with his mysterious plan. In August 1806, he struck out for the frontier a second time and made his way to Blennerhassett's Island, which he intended to use as a rallying point for his forces. Around that same time, he allegedly sent a coded letter to General Wilkinson. Quote, I have at length obtained funds, it read, and have actually commenced. Aaron Burr was ready to execute his plan fully. But unfortunately for Burr, the general had lost his nerve. Convinced the scheme would fail, Wilkinson betrayed the plot, as we learned earlier that Wilkinson was apt to do, and sent warning to President Thomas Jefferson that a vast conspiracy was brewing in the West. Jefferson was left fuming. He immediately issued a proclamation instructing government officials to quash the frontier plot and arrest its ringleaders. By December 1806, the figurative noose had begun to tighten around Burr. Militia groups raided his outposts at Blennerhassett's Island while he was away on business, and many of his supporters abandoned the enterprise. Burr had hoped to raise an army of volunteers, but when he finally rendezvoused with the force, it numbered fewer than 100 men. Undeterred, the former vice president packed the adventurers into flatboats and set out down the Mississippi. He intended to reach New Orleans, but as he neared the city in early 1807, he learned of Wilkinson's betrayal and Jefferson's calls for his arrest. Following a last-ditch attempt to flee, Burr was captured in February near present-day Mobile, Alabama. By late March, a posse of guards had brought him to Virginia to face trial. Almost no one in 1807 knew for sure what Burr had been up to on the frontier, but President Jefferson demanded that he be charged with treason, a crime punishable by death. The case of United States v. Aaron Burr commenced that summer in Richmond, with Supreme Court Chief Justice John Marshall presiding. Prosecutors spent several months presenting witnesses against the former vice president. The accounts were often muddled and contradictory, but the prosecution maintained that Burr had been the mastermind behind an attempt to levy war against the United States. Quote, he was the alpha and omega of this treasonable scheme, the very body and soul the very life of this treason, Alexander McRae proclaimed during one speech. Burr and his team of lawyers, which included two former U.S. attorneys general, mounted a robust defense against the charges. Not only did they prove that Wilkinson had doctored the cipher letter he allegedly received from Burr, they argued that the definition of treason outlined in the Constitution required evidence of an overt act from the accused. When Chief Justice Marshall ruled in favor of this interpretation of the law, the prosecution's case crumbled. Burr had re repeatedly spoken about various illegal schemes, but since he had been absent when his troops gathered on Blennerhassett's Island, the only overt act that could be proved, 
there was no evidence that he had taken up arms against the government. With this in mind, the jury found him not guilty of treason. Burr walked free in October 1807, but the debate surrounding his actions in the West has continued ever since. Burr's own claim at trial was that he was planning to colonize a tract of land in Louisiana, but given his intense secrecy, his true motives may never be known for certain. Reaching a final judgment on Burr is difficult, author David O. Stewart has written. The conclusion has persisted because he has had several alternative goals and because he said so many different things to so many different people. Despite his victory in court, Burr was branded a villain in the United States and hanged in effigy in several cities. The disgraced politician Titan later spent a few years in self-imposed exile in Europe, but returned home in 1812 and established a legal practice in New York where he lived until his death in 1836. To this day, he remains one of the only major American politicians to have been tried for treason. So what is there to be learned about this story? Perhaps we learn that secret works of darkness will always be brought to light. The Bible tells us that, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. It is dangerous to tread in the waters of secrecy, dishonesty, and pride, and even more so to engage with those evils against the force of the United States. Aaron Burr's is a sad story of an angry politician blinded by his pride and pursuit of power. May we remember this story and choose honesty, loyalty, and goodness always. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To find more information on this story and topic, see history.com.